All right, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Man, I am so excited to be with you this morning. My name is Chris Pleckenpole, and may I hopefully be one of the first to say Happy Thanksgiving. Okay, okay let's try. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, I am so pumped for you. You're going to spend a lot of time with family and people you haven't seen and haven't argued with in like a whole like 10 months. So this is really great. And so I'm really pumped for that experience for you. And so this is why you need your Jesus today uh, so that you can be prepared for the family of Thursday. Uh, So one of the things we love to do is help you with all the issues that you're facing in your entire life. And we answer all your questions on Pastor Plex podcast, which you can hear anywhere that you hear your podcast. So please... Uh, follow us on that, and uh, if you have a question, I should have the number up here at the bottom of your screen all morning long, and so I'm excited to answer those questions. How many people tune in to Pastor Plex podcast on a weekly basis? There's like, okay, we are, and there's a certain North African country that we are the number two podcast in all of Christianity there. I will not name that country because Christianity is banned there, so we have making progress uh, in reaching the world. So uh, tell a friend. All right. Um, okay. So we are this morning, this is our annual tradition of Thanksgiving back. This is where, and everyone's like grabbing wallets or phones, wherever your digital currency is stored, uh, is because this is where we have the annual moment where we say, hey, there are people in our community and in our neighborhood uh, that are um, needy or poor or struggling financially, and we raise money every year to help people in our community. It doesn't go for anything at our church. So this is like the most, I don't want to call it selfless because, you know, it, people could w- one day get back on their feet and be like, I remember that day that Wells Branch Community Church helped me and they want to give back, uh, although that hasn't happened yet. Anyway, so uh, what, ha- what does happen is that God is doing something really great uh, through our church in being unbelievable generous. We are incredibly generous church. So if you're like here this morning, you're like, man, you guys are just talking about money all the time. And that's how you become really generous. I guess you just talk about it all the time. Uh, And so one of the things that we're going to talk about is because people ask me, Chris, don't you just realize that we just asked people for money for a capital campaign? And and you ask them to give more than they've ever given before to anything in their entire lives. And then you're going to come around and ask them to give money to those in need in the community. I'm like, yes, this is a great, fun opportunity. In fact, here's how, here's how, gen- here's what, you know, I, I talk to, like, professional money raiser people, and they said that the average church for a three-year capital campaign gives about eight to $10,000 per family. Our church has given, on average, about $25,000 per family. Isn't that crazy? So you guys are so, so, so ridiculously generous. And so I want to say thank you for that. Uh, and we're going to talk about now how we can give back for the generosity that God has used in us, because God has, hasn't God been good to us this year? Even though things have been hard, hasn't he been good? And uh, so, but there is, isn't there a tendency to kind of push back and be like, Chris, you can't be serious. You just asked us and don't ask us again. Listen, we resist giving to the poor financially because we just gave everything we had to for the mission of the church. I got nothing left. Piggy bank's empty. I get it. I get it. Or how about this? Uh, the poor are going to waste what we give them. Chris, all right, listen, don't you, don't you read the statistics? Don't you know how it works? When you give people that don't have much money, it doesn't solve their problem. Uh, mo money, mo every time. And so you are just sort of adding fuel to their fire. 
okay? Or, or what about this, which I think this is, we're going to be poor if we give to the poor. Like, I'm going to be the very same guy that's going to come asking for help eventually because he just made me give all my money to you. No. So I feel like there's, a, there's this, when I talk about money, it makes people stressed out. And I, this is not a drive-by guilting. This isn't a, like, hey, you are not a really good Christian if you don't give this. I want you to give as the Lord calls you to give, but I want you to understand why. Because if you don't understand why, well, it's just like my, my children. When I don't tell them why, they'll do it, but they're going to be very angry about it. And so I want you to understand the heart behind why we give as generously as we do, um, because I think it's going to impact your life in a powerful, powerful, powerful way. So um, we're going to pray, and then we're going to open up to Galatians chapter 2, and then we're going to jump around in Proverbs, okay? So that's where we're going to go, Galatians 2 and Proverbs this morning. Would you guys pray with me as we ask God to open up our hearts, uh, as we seek God for what he would have us um, hear and respond to? Father, thank you. Jesus, the, the, the gospel that you've freely given to us is so powerful. Um, and I know, God, that when we talk about money, it makes everybody cringe. And so, God, I pray that your power would uh, be big enough um, to overcome even resistance. That we would hear from you, especially on a, on a day and a, on, a, on the week of that we're about to spend a lot of time with the family. And we're going to get a lot of frustration. And, and it's not going to be as, like, warm and and heartfelt and felt filled as we thought it would be. In fact, it might be um, sad for some. And so, God, I'm praying that your grace would be sufficient in the midst of that, and that you would take um, what the locusts have stolen, you revive and give a lot of heart. Jesus, we love you. We know that good things uh, are in store for us um, because we trust in you, and we love you, and we know that you are good. And so thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. On a, on a week dedicated to being thankful, we start off, with uh, our hearts right towards you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we're going to start in Galatians chapter 2. And uh, I, before you, you get there, I want to kind of preface this with, in Galatia, the, the, book, or the, the letter to the church of Galatia was about the gospel, that Jesus was proclaim, or Paul was proclaiming Jesus and saying, like, listen, there is nothing that can save you other than the blood of Christ, that your faith in Jesus what saves you and not anything extra like giving to the poor or like doing any of the Mosaic law. Like getting circumcised wasn't a requirement for you to be a follower of Jesus. So the, the point of the of the whole letter was to remind Christians to not get stuck in this world where it was about performance or fulfilling some sort of religious ceremony to be accepted by God. All right, so with that in mind, we're in Galatians 2, verse 1, and here's Paul explaining this like gospel commitment he has. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I had not run in vain. In other words, what he had done is he wanted to make sure that the gospel he proclaimed, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he rose from the dead, and your belief in that is what would save you. He wanted to make sure, hey, uh, he head to, headed to Jerusalem where the pillars of the church, the, the primary apostle, the guys like Peter, were hanging out, and he, he wanted to make sure that he was doing what God had called him. He didn't have just some crazy um, hallucinization because of some bad drugs, right? He wanted to be about Jesus and him alone. Now look at verse 9. When James and, all right, I'm going to do you guys a favor right here and correct everyone who says this wrong. 
How do you think you pronounce this? No, it's not Cephas. All right, there is no C here. This is in Greek, it's a kappa. How do you say kappa? It's a kappa, it's a ka. All right, so this, why do we write Cephas? I don't know. It's kappa in Greek. All right, so it's kephas, kephas. All right, so that's for free. All right, I, I know. It's like when people say revelations and it drives me batty. It's kephas, all right? So like, there's one revelation, all right? One revelation, and this is not Cephas, it's kephas. All right, right, yeah, all right, sorry. Sorry. Back to, gosh, guys, don't get me distracted. All right, so when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So in other words, they come to Jerusalem. Listen, here's what we've been preaching. Jesus came, Jesus died, he rose from the dead. If anyone believed in him, they would be saved by grace, you were saved by grace through faith. And so that's, is that, are you guys right? In like right hand of fellowship, you've got it. Now look at verse 10. After they've got the whole mission of the gospel solid, this is what they say. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Now he could have said anything else. Only make sure that you have solid coffee at any worship services. Only make sure, and and you could have said anything at this point. Here's the one thing I want you, whenever you have the gospel going forward, whenever the the mission of Christ is, is being executed around the globe, remember the poor. I thought that was fascinating. He could have said something really biblical like, don't be a sinner. Don't, you know, like, stop watching porn. Now, he probably would say that anyway, but here's the thing he, he went back to. Only they asked us to remember the poor. And the very thing that Paul was eager to do. So that told me one thing and, uh, about the, the priorities of the church. Mission first, poor always. Now, um, when I was in the army, uh, this was a common phraseology. Mission first, people always. All right, so that was like, so w- what that meant was when you're going into the battle, uh, the, the mission must be executed. We must take the objective. We must take the hill. Uh, we have to recon. We have to surveillance. There's an ambush. There's a raid. There's a, uh, a defensive posture, and we're going to battle this thing out. And listen, there's a, there's a chance that someone could die. The mission is always first, but you've got to take care of your people. Now watch this. The gospel is called to go forward. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And behold, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. That sort of mission was, was given. And then all throughout the scripture, you're going to see this constant remembrance of the poor, which just seems so, if we're honest, dumb. Right? Here's why. Because if you need to advance something, you know who you don't call up? Your local homeless guy. Listen, I got a message. I want to get out to everybody. And I really need your help on this one. You go get the influential people. You go get the rich people, politicians. You make sure that there's somebody really wealthy around you. And you go, I've got a message to get out. I need to get on uh, CNN. I need to get on Fox. I need to get on uh, across talk radio, mainstream media, all the things we got a message to get out. We're going to go that route. And 
oddly, the church took a different stance. They chose to serve the poor. And oddly, that strategy worked. Now, now, now watch, and here's what, this is what people talk, like, don't you understand? Remember, this is the, if you ask people to give more than they've ever given before to a capital campaign to build a building, fulfill the mission of the church, which is great. If you ask them then to give to something else, you've got divided interest. That's bad strategy. You should probably not do that. Why don't you wait till after the capital campaign? You've gotten all the money from all the people, and then that way you don't have to worry about you sort of circumventing the mission. But re- listen, listen. Mission first, poor always. And so the very thing, it'd almost be hypocritical to say like, hey, we're not going to do Thanksgiving back the way we always do it because we got to build a building. All right, I'm not, I'm not ashamed that we're building a building. I'm excited we're building a building. This is going to forward the mission of our church. I'm so pumped about it. But the one thing that I've, I've known about uh, the church as a whole, even before even Christianity was legal, even when it was always about let's take the route of taking this through the poor. So um, you guys want to do a little church history lesson? This is fun. All right, yeah. All right, so this is what you kind of get to do in seminary. So here's like a seminary class for you. You get to learn about the great saints of the 200s, all right? So this is kind of fun. So Emperor Valerian, during like the 200, early 200s, he, you know, Christians were being thrown to the lions. Christians were being made to battle in the Colosseum. Great times to be a Christian. And uh, at the time, there's a, a guy, the pope of the time, or like, you know, the leader of the church, uh, before like the Catholic Church was like a thing, just when it was the church. Uh, pope Sixtus was the pope. And there was an archdeacon, like the head deacon guy. Uh, his name was Lawrence. He's like 32 years old-ish. And uh, his role was to be in charge of dispersing wealth to the poor of the city. And so uh, one day Pope Sixtus gets captured, and they take him away. And during that time, uh, Archdeacon Lawrence is like, all right, I got to get rid of all the dough here because we got to make sure that you know, we're, we've been taking care of the p- poor anyway, but, you know, let's do second round. And he disperses all the wealth of the church, gets rid of everything, so that they literally have nothing. So if the church, or if the, if the emperor came to confiscate or uh, kidnap or arrest Lawrence, that he would have nothing at his disposal to fund the coffers of Rome, okay? And so uh, they do eventually capture Lawrence, and they go, hey, um, we got rumor that you are in charge of all the money. You're like the, the treasurer. And he's like, you heard right? And they're like, well, here's what I need you to do. Like, it won't go quite as bad for you. Like, Pope Sixtus over here, he's about to get his head chopped off. But for you, things could be a little bit more lenient if you could just bring the wealth of the church and bring it right here. And he's like, no problem. I got you. We we can do this. He's give me three days. And so he spends the next three days, and what he does, and this is why you got to love, you know, this is why I love when, like, young guys are in charge of things because they, they do things that are just inherently ironic and funny. And he gathers all the poor people of the city, like, every single one. And, like, there's, you know, the people on the crutches and the people that are blind and the sick. And he kind of gathers them all in, like, the, the square where the emperor would have, like, his court gatherings. And there's, like, thousands of people there. And he, he, this is <laughs> what uh, Lawrence uh, says after three days. Behold, in these poor persons, the treasures which I promised to show you, to which I, uh, which I will add pearls and precious stones, those widows and consecrated virgins, which are the church's 
crown. And, and you got to love that. And the emperor's like, ha, 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 you're going to die. In fact, uh, the tradition holds that, they, that Lawrence, they, that the emperor was so mad, he was burning with anger. They strapped Lawrence to like a griddle, like, you know, iron thing. They put hot coals under it, and they start to burn him alive. And then, you know, about as he's about to die, he goes, hey, turn me over. I think I'm done on this side. And if, you're, if you come from Catholic background, he's the patron saint of comedy, just in case you were wondering. Uh, all right, there, that was for free for any of my Catholics that are here. Um, but yeah, the, the, the reality was like what he, what he was saying at that time was uh, the value of the church is seen in the way we treat the poor. The value of the church because of the Imago Dei. It doesn't even matter if they're Christian or not Christian. We value human life, rich, poor, Unborn, born, we value human life. And so when you value life like that, when you take care of people like that, what you're saying is people matter to God. And so it's not about the amount of wealth or amount of influence you can exert on a culture, but rather what God has said about you and how he calls you. And we are imagers of God in the Imago Dei. That's just Latin for image of God. And so that's been part of the church's history uh, for, since the get-go, that God has a deep, great value for people, no matter how marginalized you are. But here's the problem. And this is what you would say. Say, Chris, that's really sweet. And I really appreciate, like, the, you know, the charge for people being made in the image of God. I, I get it. But we just got to be real about who we're dealing with. I mean, I, the last time I went down to I-35 and uh, Wells Branch Parkway, there's the guy at the sign that just says, need beer. And you're like, I don't know if I really feel like I want to contribute to his alcohol fund. Like, I, I just feel like, or, or isn't it true that if, you get, if somebody wants, like, a handout, then they're just going to keep coming back for more handouts? Like, in fact, doesn't the Bible say somewhere, if he doesn't work, he doesn't eat? I've heard that. Now, nobody can tell me where that is, but that is actually in God's word. Uh, and and, the, and you, know, you know what that's about? Do you guys know what that's about? That's about somebody waiting for the return of Jesus so they stop working, uh, not because they're lazy. But let's just be real. People are, do you think some people are lazy? Okay, come on, yeah. The Bible says so. This is not like... You just ran across American lazy people that are poor. It's all across the world. For all time history, people have been poor because they don't work hard enough, right? Here's what the Bible says. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long, he craves and craves. And you would say, Chris, there it is. See, the Bible said so. Why would we want to keep giving to someone who just is going to want more and want more and want more? And then watch this, this next line doesn't make sense in the context when you know that, but it says the righteous what? gives what? and does not hold back. What? Wait a minute. Wait, no, the righteous give and they do not hold back. In other words, watch this. There isn't a scarcity mindset among the righteous people. Those who know God have an abundance mentality of like, gosh, if I give, then God is able to meet my needs. Now, 
this is, and we're going to get into this in a second. This isn't a prosperity-like line, all right? But I want to talk about the poor for a second because I think there's this reality that you've, like, if you've dealt with the poor in any sort of form or fashion, you've probably been burned at some point. And if you haven't been burned, you haven't dealt with the poor. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. But yes, okay, it reminds me of, you guys remember the story of, um, how many people get old people e- emails? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You guys know, there's an old person in your life and they forge you everything they ever got. Those, I call those old people emails, all right? So they have, like, for some reason, they feel like it's like they discovered, like, email and, like, stories and, like, somebody, another person, old folks home, sent them an email, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I need to let everybody know on my distribution list, and I'm going to go find emails of people I don't even know, and I'm going to send it to them, okay? So, you, you know, the, the classic old person email that it's like, there's a person, and uh, there's a flood coming, and uh, all of a sudden, then there's the police that drive by, and they're like... We need to evacuate. And the guy's like, don't worry, God's got me. God's going to rescue me. And then, the, you know, eventually the, the, the streets are flooded. The guy in a canoe goes, hey, you want to hop in the canoe? No, nah, I'm good. God's going to rescue me. And then eventually there's like a guy in like a big sweet Jeep with monster wheels. And he rolls by like, hey, get in the truck. No, nah, I'm good, bro. Jesus is going to rescue me. And then there's a guy in the, mo- like the, you know, the boat comes by. The guy's on the roof. Hey, do you want to hop on? I, I'm, we're doing, we're picking up people, making rounds. You're like, we're like a Christian ministry. Like, do you want to get in? He's like, no, man, God's going to rescue me. And the guy's like, what? And then eventually he's drowning, and a helicopter comes by with a rope. It's like, no, man, I'm good. God's going to rescue me. And then eventually he gets to heaven. He's like, God, why don't you rescue me? He's like, well, I sent you the, the warning. I sent you the motorboat. I sent you the dude in the big truck. I sent you a freaking helicopter. What more do you want, right? Okay. Everyone's gotten that email, right? Okay. So, so what happens, right, what happens is what I've felt with, this is sort of that, I've been one of those guys when it comes to with the poor. In fact, uh, several years ago, uh, you know, as a young, uh, late 20-something, I was going to end uh, poverty on my own. And uh, so I decided to take a homeless person into my house. Okay, do you guys remember being young and just like, you, you're going to change the world? And, and then reality hits, okay? So, uh, so I, I take the homeless guy, he lives in my house, and I'm like, we're going to get a job. Listen, you're going to stay here every night, and every day I'm going to drop you off at like a job fair kind of, or job seeking people hangout thing, and he, he, I would do it, and, and then I was like, how come you haven't found a job? He was like, I can't, just don't have an ID card, I can't do it, and uh, I'm like, okay, we got to, f- I mean, an ID card, how hard can that possibly be? So we, I go, like, I get a bunch of my men, men in Bible study together, like, we got to get my buddy an, an ID card, and like, okay, so we got him an ID card. And then he got a job at, like, Landry Seafood. Like, like yeah, Landry Seafood in the kitchen. Work, <laughs> win. And then um, a week later, he's like, oh, man, it didn't work out. You know, they're just, they discriminated against me because I didn't have, a, like, a specific house. I said, give him my address. I'm like, oh, yeah, I should have thought of that. Okay. And then, um, so then I'm like, okay, I got to make sure that it's, it, I got to give him a job. I had a, one of the, I was, I was going to, he owned, he was like a, um, he owned, like, uh, houses, and, and rent houses, and there, he, whenever they were vacant, he needed somebody to come and clean it out because, you know, people destroy things they rent. And so, uh, and so my, my buddy goes, and he cleans, and he did a great job, showed up, got paid. It was glorious. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we did it. We have solved the problem. And then the next day after he got paid, he, guess what he didn't do? He didn't show up. And I'm like, what happened? And uh, I had a buddy of mine. His name was Bill. He was a cop. And uh, he goes, you know this guy's on drugs. I'm like, how can you be so judgmental? <laughs> Don't you see this person right here? He, he is not on drugs. Something must have happened. 
And he's like, you're an idiot, but okay, God love you. And I'm like, no, no. Okay, so we have like, finally, my buddy comes back. We're like, man, why didn't you show up? And he gave an excuse. And then my buddy, he, he was like, you know, on, off kind of a person, full on or full off. And he starts pounding the table. You're on drugs. You, you know you're on drugs. Just say you're on drugs. I'm like, you can't talk to him like that. He's like, of course I'm on drugs. I'm like. I'm like, what? And he's like, Chris, you're the only one in the building that thinks he's clean. Oh, okay, yeah. And I look at him, I go, man, do you want help? He's like, ah, not really. You don't want to, I was like, well, you can't live with me if you don't really care. He's like, okay. And I was so frustrated by that, right? So he, he, I drop him off in the street where I originally got him, and I was like, what a demoralizing thing. And, uh, and a couple months later, I just emailed him because, you know, I just was like, praying about it, and, and he emailed me back, hey, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe it, I'm about to graduate from a, a rehab center, will you come and, and celebrate my graduation? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. So I, I show up, and there's like a line of guys that were like my age, that all were there at this graduation. I was like, what are these guys doing here? I'm like, they, they, what part did they play in his life? And I realized, right, here's what happened. He goes, you know, it all started with that guy right there, and he points at me, and he's like, when he kicked me out, because I used him, and I you know, I lied to him, and I was like, yeah, you know, in, my, in the inside. <laughs> Validated. And then, he, and then I, was, I thought I was going to go kill myself, and this other guy, and he points to the guy next to me, his name was Anthony, and that guy said, hey, man, God's not done with you yet, and he gave me a sandwich. And, and then he took me in, and I used him, and I abused him, and I'm like, you too. And he's like, yeah. Uh, and, then, uh, and, then it, and it was like ma- guy after guy after guy, and I'm like, Really? And then what I learned from that is it took, and he's like, and I, even here, I tried to quit like five times at the rehab place because I don't like people telling me what to do. And what I learned from that was this, is that there's two things. One is that um, it mattered that I helped. It mattered. God used me. I got to be one of the guys driving by in, in my little motorboat going like, you want to get in? And he got in and then just would jump out after a little while. <laughs> and then somebody would come by in a helicopter and pick him up. And he just like let go. And what I and but then but God used person after person after person. Like that's how valuable that man was to God. That he would waste a lot of resources on one man because he wanted to show him how much God loved him. And when you take part in that, watch this. Even today, when we ask for one, I'm saying, hey, would you give? And you're going to ask God, what should I give? And God's going to put in your heart. When you give whatever that is, God is going to use that. And you're going to be a part of somebody's story. Of when they came to that church that one time, and they got help, and God reached them through that. And it was an incredible experience. But you know the beauty of that as well? The other thing I learned from that story was like, I don't need to be anybody's Jesus. Like, that's not my job. It's not your job. In fact, we, uh, at our church, we have something called Charity Tracker, which all the, you know, you pay like 25 bucks a month or whatever, and it unites all the churches that do this kind of thing together. So, like, you can kind of see when someone abuses the system. And so you go, oh, it looks like you got help from uh, the Redeemer Lutheran Church, the Hill Country Bible Church. You got help from Pflugerville Community Church. And they're like, so, seems to be a pattern. Well, yeah. Well, we can help you, but we'll do this much. Right, and that's the way that works because uh, you don't, 
at some point, you're going to say, listen, there's boundaries set up so that we don't enable somebody, but we don't want to be a place, we want to be a place where people come for help, because I want every person in the city to know that whether you're poor or rich, that the church is the place you go for help. Okay. The righteous give. That's what we do. And we don't hold back. Even when we can't see the ROI, the return on the investment. Because I don't know if Jesus got his ROI on you. No, when you think about it, it's like, man, I, I saved Chris because he was going to transform the world. And man, he's got a lot of work to do. Now think about that. Put your name in there. Jesus saved your name. And has he gotten his ROI on the blood that he put into you? Or has there been a lot of darkness you've been just running into and he's like, and you've done, Jesus, please forgive me. And he has. Now, I want, I want you to see this because uh, this is where um, the Bible is very clear about in the Proverbs. Let's, I'm going to do a journey through Proverbs real quick of where it talks about how we are to treat the poor. Look at this. Whoever, whoever, I love this, whoever, whoever, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. What? I mean, you want to talk about like mortgage lending. And he will repay him for his deed. Now, a lot of people take this, and they say stuff like this to me. Chris, you know how you'd be a millionaire? you give away $100,000. Boom. <laughs> and that's ridiculous. Because God is going to repay you with maybe your dryer not breaking. All right? God's going to repay you, and you're like, man, I haven't had to get my car fixed in a while. Uh, God's going to repay you uh, for, like, instead of the accident you were about to get into, like, don't worry about it. And some of you are like, man, I got an accident. Maybe I should give more to the poor. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I, what I am saying, that the Lord is going to repay you, and I don't know what that's going to look like for you, and that may not mean you're going to get an upgrade in your housing situation, but it is going to mean you're going to upgrade in your blessing. Okay, no, why? It's not just like, oh, Chris, that's just one verse. Okay, let's do it again. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. I don't want to be that guy. Uh, when our, during the, the COVID pandemic, one of, a, a, one of our fellow churches uh, couldn't, they weren't allowed to meet at the school. They couldn't afford to meet anywhere. And they go, hey, can we use your guys' building? And it's really annoying when people want to use your stuff because they always what? Always. And so we're like, all right. So thankfully, Grayson handled it. Uh, <laughs> and, and what happens, they would use and use and use and use. And, you know, you don't know if God on the back end of that is going to give you a new, new piece of land for $2 million or not. Just saying. Whoever closes his Ear, or sorry, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed. Remember, we don't have a scarcity mindset. We have an abundance mindset. And for he, for he shares his bread with the poor. And it doesn't say, and the poor people use it so wisely. And the poor people are so grateful for it. I mean, I don't know if you ever had an experience where you gave out somebody that was on the street a sandwich, and they go, sandwich, I don't want this kind of sandwich. And he throws it in the ground and stuff. I've been there. God is... Who are you giving to? We're not giving to poor people. We're giving to whoever gives to the poor, lends to the... All right, Lord. All right, good. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. That doesn't mean you're going to ride around a Maserati, but it does mean you're not going to want. But he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. 
awkward moment. Everyone stares at their shoes. I don't really know. <laughs> really? Now, here, here's, maybe this this way. The, the Lord repays whoever gives or withholds from the poor. Now, again, this isn't a drive-by guilting. This is not what we do at our church. Um, I, what I love about our church is we're unbelievably generous. In 2019, do you guys remember this? Um, uh, we gave like $55,000 to our missionary in Tanzania whenever, he, like in a week. We're like, hey, he just, his truck broke down. He needs to get around in, in, the, in the bush. And we gave 55 grand in one week. And then that same year, we gave 25 grand to those that were in need in our community. Uh, last year, over, over the COVID, we've given about $50,000 away. And, and what's been weird is like, we haven't been, had to, like, we didn't even ask. Like, people just started giving to our benevolence fund. Be like, hey, make sure you take care of those people. I'm sure there's a lot of people struggling. Snowpocalypse, tons of people gave money to our um, benevolence. And so I don't want you, and do you think our church has been blessed by that? I mean, I, like, God's blessed, has, has God blessed our church? Yeah. And so I, I want to be on, the, on this side of the repayment. <laughs> and I, again, I don't know if that's going to mean another gazillion dollars, but I know it's going to mean that God's going to meet our needs. I don't know if that, what, th- what that means. I know that there's blessing for me on the other side of heaven. I know you're like, Chris, I don't even get to experience that. What ROI are you looking for? Isn't the heavenly one? You can't keep, that's an eternal one as opposed to the one you might get, what, another 80 years out of your life, 60 years out of your life, 50 years out of your life. I don't know what you got left, but I don't know what it is, but I guarantee you're going to spend more time on this side of your dash. You're going to spend more time on that side of your dash than on this side of your dash. And so I just want us to be thinking like that. And so my question for you, not in a drive-by guilting way, is will you lend to the Lord? And the one ways you can do that today, and we're going to be hanging out all day today, so if you're like, Chris, um, I didn't even think about this. Uh, my spouse and I need to talk about it. I'd love for you guys to do that. Come join us today. We're having lunch at a late lunch at 1 from 1 to 3.30 with a bounce house obstacle course, not just for kids. <laughs> uh, and I want you to come join us. We're being grilling hot dogs and hamburgers. We're inviting the community out because we want to be like, this is what we do. You, I want you guys to know that that's the heart of our church. Um, and in fact, what, what's the reason why we do that? Remember, I, I mentioned it earlier. And we're going to take communion here before we kind of wrap up, before you kind of have this, and I'm going to put this up here at the same time. But we're going to take communion. And the reason why we take communion is because we remember that Jesus lavished love for us. And so pull out your little bread wafer thingy that you have, and I'll, I know all of you have asked me, Chris, when are we going to go back to everybody eating the bread because I don't like these wafer thingies? I'm with you. But for now, hang with me. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took bread and then he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this and remember to me. We remember that our souls feed on Jesus like our stomach feeds on bread. So do this in remembrance of Jesus. That same night, Jesus took the cup He said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this 
and remembrance of me. And so as we take this, remember that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. And maybe even take a second just to think about what have I not confessed to God? If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I have a breath prayer like, God, that sin and darkness in my heart, you shed your blood so that I would be free. Do this in remembrance of what Jesus did. This morning, um, we have opportunity to give. But we also have an opportunity to receive. And um, I'm going to call our elder and our prayer team up here. If, there's, if you have any needs, this is what we do. We go to the God in heaven who can meet your needs. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've been kicking the tires of God for a while, and you're like, I want to trust Jesus, I want my heart to be filled, I want to be made new, but I don't know. God do something this morning through our church as he always does. It's just who God has called us to be. And I'm excited for that. I'm excited to enjoy lunch with you guys and run around on bounce house obstacle courses. But I'm also excited to impact our community with the love of Jesus financially. Jen, pray with me. Father, I know that you came and you died and you rose and we know we wait for you to come back again. And our heart sits in this place of just de- just dedication and admiration of, of what you've done for us. And so, God, I know that somebody here doesn't know you. I know that they need you, Jesus. And so, Lord, would you do a work on them that they might even come forward and receive you. They might come with all their need, all their brokenness, because everybody comes to you needy. Nobody comes to you with it all together. So Jesus, use this time to do work on somebody who doesn't know you's heart. They might say, save me, Jesus. And Father, for those that have been walking with you for a while, but our hearts get hard just because life happens and we get callous to the Holy Spirit and we get callous to your work and we, get, we start looking at church as something, want something from us, as something for us. God, I pray that you would bless us to be that place of just brokenness where we can just have someone pray over us to transform our heart because only you can do that. So Lord, would you transform hearts this morning as we come before you and pray and respond in grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. Imagine just for a moment what would happen if you had a an abundance mindset that you were a steward of the riches of God and that you had the ability to transform the lives that God has called you to reach and that We didn't look at ourselves just like this, I've got to take care of me because who else will? It would change a lot of the conversations you have at home. It would transform conversations you have at, at work. It would transform the city because of a church that had people who believed like that. Would you receive the benediction? Go and be a people who believe mission first, poor always. 
Go and be a people who understand your role in the life of those who are less fortunate. Go and push back the darkness. Give generously and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.